Carol Ofori, yeah. East Coast Radio. All right, if you're just joining us, welcome. Uh, big question on everybody's minds as the news broke this morning. The government has extended the national state of disaster. That means we would have been in the situation for over two years now. And a lot of people are hoping for some sort of relief, some sort of bye-bye to the national state of disaster. So the big question is, what does it mean for the economy? Our analyst and CEO of Orem Innova, Bandile Matandela. Hi, Bandile, how are you? Hi, Carol. I'm good, thanks. And how are you? Good. Long time, no chat. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's, it's been, a while. been a while. Well, let's jump into the situation. Personally, from your perspective, when the news broke that it's extended for another month, were you <laughs> devastated or did you kind of anticipate it? Yeah, I mean, I think to an extent I did anticipate it, um, particularly because, you know, we saw earlier this week, in fact, to, even towards the end of last week, where a lot of insurance companies started putting in place provisions uh, related to COVID-19, almost in anticipation of um, a fifth wave um, that, that, that the basically said. So to an extent, you know, that sort of signaled that um, it most likely will be extended. So no real surprises on my side. You know, I do know that a couple of people have been pushing for it to be lifted. I think to to me, to a certain extent, it would make sense for it to be lifted, uh, mm. particularly if you just consider that, you know, a majority of um, sort of people and society has just gone back to some form of normality, you know. So I, I really don't understand at this point what, what exactly we, 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 we use to justify, you know, the state of disaster, but I would have expected to a certain extent for it to be lifted, but no surprises. Uh, and again, on the back of the fact that a lot of insurance companies have started to put together provisions in anticipation of the fifth wave. Do you think come 15 April we'll be singing the same song again? For me, yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to depend, right? Um, if um, I mean, I know some of the groups, are, for example, the Absa group is projecting almost as early as next next month that we'll begin to see the fifth wave. So I think if we begin to see the infections rising, then we'll probably continue uh, on, on this trajectory. But I think if if it stabilizes and we don't see an increase, we might see a lift uh, them lifting it. But I'm not really sure whether they would lift it right before winter, you know, because I think there might be a bit of fear that going into the winter season we might see sort of COVID uh, re-emerging to a certain extent. So I think we'll probably, you know, continue like this until at the very least post-winter and hopefully, you know, um, there's no rise in COVID-19 cases. But uh, like I said, I think for me, you know, this would have been an opportune time to to, to potentially then lift Mm. the, the state of disaster because I don't think the country is in a state of disaster anymore, right? But right. again, you don't want to almost, you know, move a bit too quick because, you know, ultimately the, the, the government has the responsibility of protecting the health of the citizens. And if their assessments and their experts say that there's still a level of risk, you know, whether it's a risk at a disaster level, uh, for me, is where I'm not convinced. I think there's still a, a definite risk of COVID-19, but I think it's at this point, especially just looking at the last couple of weeks, it seems like we've managed it quite well that, the, the healthcare system seems to have to a certain extent the capacity, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not really convinced um, mm. as to whether, you know, we're still in a disaster. What industries are suffering the most under this national state of disaster? Yeah, it's definitely the events organized industry, right? So the entertainment industry, because if you, if you just think about the fact that there's still limitations around the number of people that can attend outdoor and indoor events, you know, this, this will definitely have a significant impact on them because they still uh, require 
to operate at, um, I think it's a limit is 2,000 or 50% of the venue. Mm. You know, the sporting industry has been affected quite significantly. You know, air stadiums have been empty, particularly soccer. You know, so there's significant impact. And if you just think about the little economies in and around stadiums, you know, there's people that mm. generally vendors that sell food, vendors that sell flags or, or different t-shirts, you know, they've been impacted quite significantly. And for me, at the very least, if you keep us at the state of nation disaster, you know, then find ways in which you can get some of these industries working again, you know, to simply just say no one must attend the stadium. For me, I don't think that makes sense. We saw throughout the election stadiums filled to capacity. And I think for me, mm. there is scope to say, let's put in place certain interventions. You know, even if you say a stadium the size of FNP, which is 90,000 people capacity, you operate at 20,000 to 30,000 capacity. I definitely think there's room to do more there. And for me, it's, it's one of the most nonsensical decisions here to say, why aren't people returning to the stadiums? But I think the sporting fraternity has been affected, affected quite significantly. The entertainment uh, industry has been affected quite significantly. And I think, you know, the Department of Sports and Uncertain Culture for me is not doing enough to advocate for these two, you know, to make sure that, you know, we put things in place to, to, to... We saw the tourism minister was quite loud earlier on around restrictions on tourism, you know, and you would have expected the arts and culture departments to also have followed suit. But for me, you know, the, I think that department has definitely been found wanting. Yeah. And lastly, what do you think the future looks like from Zanzi? Our unemployment rate is skyrocketing. And this announcement is definitely yeah. not aiding in solving our problems. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you just even look at the indicators and the projections, you know, it's going to be a while till South Africa returns to pre-COVID levels. Uh, even, you know, even if you just consider pre-COVID, we are already technically in a recession. You know, so I think, you know, and not to, to paint a gloomy picture or frighten anyone, but I think, you know, we just would we, we do everyone well to really tighten up and just, you know, I think we're going to be going through, you know, a difficult time for, for, for a couple of years now. You know, I don't think we're doing enough to stimulate economic growth. We're not, you know, we, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done um, as a country and it's going to need more than government. I think the private sector, there's never there's never been a more opportune time for them to lift their hand and say, you know, let's, let's you know, they're sitting on serious cash reserves that could be invested into the economy. We could look at finding ways in which to build new economies around, you know, the so-called new normal. But yeah, I think, you know, for, for, for us to, 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 to make a dent on that um, unemployment rate, there's going to need to be significant, significant work that's going to be put in because right now it's really not looking good. And if you just check on a quarter-on-quarter basis, it's been increasing and increasing the unemployment levels. And if you just consider the fact that even though it's a limited dis- um, definition, you know, because it, 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 it doesn't take into account people that are discouraged workers or discouraged job seekers, you know, you realistically, you probably look at an unemployment rate that borders the lines of about 50%, oh. you know, and youth unemployment sitting at over 70% is, is quite scary and unacceptable. And uh, hopefully government will find a way in which to, you know, to work with the private sector uh, to create the necessary environment to enable people to be able to thrive. But currently for me, you know, it's looking quite gloomy, at least for the next two to three years. Uh, it's going to take time for the economy to really uh, get back to, to, to the levels that we need to get back to. And of course, we're not exempt to some of the geopolitical issues happening in Europe. Right. And these are going to start having an impact, significant impact in South Africa, considering just we are, you know, we are a net importer of a lot of things, you know. So yeah. for me, yeah, it's not looking too good. I think people just need to try and tighten up and find ways in which to create sustainable incomes, whether it's a side hustle or something else that could potentially bring in uh, additional revenues. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on what's happening in Europe because outside of us having this extension of the national disaster, we also have an international war.
war that's happening that is affecting what's happening on the ground here. Already prices of petrol um, preempted to rise quite considerably with the next increases. And uh, of course, like you're saying, people need to tighten up. I think that's the best advice you've given. Yeah, no, I definitely think that. I mean, I think that the impact of the geopolitical issues are going to extend beyond. I mean, I think for now it's all prices with fuel prices, but what we're going to begin to see, you know, we've been you know, keeping an eye on vegetable oils as well because Ukraine is quite uh, the grower of sunflower. And, you know, once something like the prices of oil, um, vegetable oil is affected, it trickles down to a lot of other products that utilizes that. You know, so we might see a bit of a rise in inflation um, over the next couple of months, you know. So, um, of course, South Africa is trying to respond to it, um, but we're only looking at, um, at a harvest in around uh, June. So, you know, I think it's going to have a knock-on effect on a couple of things, you know. So it, it absolutely makes sense to just tighten your belt over the next couple of months and just wait and see how things stabilizes. You know, I wouldn't say this is the time to make any major purchases. You know, just hold on a bit and let's see how it actually begins to unfold. And also just judging by the last two years, you know, there seems to be um, surprises every year. Um, you know, no one would have guessed that we would be looking at a war situation right now, mm-hmm. particularly in Europe, you know, because some might argue that it's always happened in the Middle East. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for me, all, all signals suggest that, you know, we just need to hold on a bit, tighten up and see how things begin to unfold over the next couple of months. Mandela, it's always such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. I, I do anticipate we'll be chatting again in April. <laughs> yeah, no, we're definitely going yeah. to be seeing uh, all uh, petrol prices definitely yeah, towards absolutely. the end of March. Thank- we'll be looking about the two rand mark, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Mandela. Have a wonderful day and thanks for that great conversation, yeah? Thank you very much and have a good show. Thank Bye. you. That is uh, Bandile Matandela. He is financial analyst and CEO of Orem Innova. Carol Ofori, weekdays 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. East Coast Radio.